The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are now about to take a journey with professional advisors Ken Smith and Ethan Broga on Empirical Investing Radio. To connect with Empirical Investing Radio, please call 1-866-472-5790. Fasten your seatbelts. You're going to need them. Just because the hosts have a sense of humor does not mean their advice won't change your life. Good afternoon and welcome to Empirical Investing Radio. This is Ken Smith sitting next to my co-host, Ethan Baroga. Good afternoon, Ethan. Hey, Ken. Pleasure to have you here as usual. This show is designed to share with you prudent investment and financial planning ideas to help you make a lifetime of smarter financial decisions. And if we can do our part to uh, contribute towards that end, we'd be very happy. If you'd like to call in during the program, Feel free to do so. You can give us a little jingle jangle. Go ahead and give us a call. <laughs> and um, remember what the number is on. Do you have that number, Ethan? If you could grab that. Uh, if you want to email us while we're doing the show, you can send an email to contact at empiradio.com. That's uh, contact at empiradio.com. And I'll get you that number forthcoming when I can on the call in. But if you do want to call us throughout the week, yeah. Ethan, if you could share a little bit about why and how someone could get a hold of us. Well, first of all, great. maybe the how. You can reach us here at the uh, beautiful Empirical Towers in downtown Seattle. Very lovely. At 206-923-3474. Um, feel free to ask for Ken or Ethan. Either of us would be happy to speak with you. Um, reasons why you might want to give us a call uh, mostly have to do with our ability to help with regards to taxes, investments, and retirement planning. And I think it is our approach to those three things and, and how we coordinate them so well is really where the maximum amount of value is brought to our client relationship. So uh, even if you're looking for something as simple as a second opinion or like on, on your investments or would like to understand more clearly how we can help in those three areas, we'd love to speak with you. Uh, again, our number is 206-923-3474. Give us a call. Well, that sounds good. And if you want to call in during the program today with any questions, um, I almost could see it there for a second, but... Uh, Our engineer's uh, playing games with us today. He's toying with my emotions. 866-472-5790. Give us a call. We'd answer. Uh, be happy to try to answer any questions you have about an investment decision you're making, a financial planning decision, or anything and everything financial. Well, Ethan, until the callers start flooding in, why don't we just start going through some ideas and concepts and material? Okay. Do you want to do our weekly, uh, our weekly portfolio review, uh, market review? Sure, we can go through that. We oh, have the numbers yeah. here. Might as well. We have the um, numbers here. Yeah, let's let's go ahead and do it. All um, right. Should we go into the, the room for that? Uh, yeah, let's go into the room for that. 
I want to get down on an exchange. I think I saw Jim Cramer down there, and I want to I want to have a few words with him. I need the right environment. Uh, okay, that's here it. We go. Okay, here we go. I feel Jimmy, much better. Jimmy, now. Jimmy, you can feel the energy here as well. I like. I it can. So much. We're down here. It's crazy. The Dow Jones. Do you want me to? Yeah, go ahead. I like okay, it. When Dow you do Jones so. Industrials uh, about flat today, Ethan. Just down a point four five. But uh, year to date, that puts the market on the Dow about even for the year. Mm-hmm. In the last twelve months, the Dow's up. Almost 14%. The S&P 500 was down 2.13 today to close at 1888.77. That's a positive 2.19% for the year to date number on the S&P 500. Uh, Large cap growth down about three-tenths of a percent. Large cap value even today. Hmm. Small uh, cap growth down 1.85. Small value down 0.64. Micro cap. Those teeny tiny little companies you love so much, Ethan, down 1.08% for the day. International large blend companies down 0.12. International large value down 0.14. International large growth down 0.03. Emerging markets were down a little bit today. The general emerging markets index down 0.33 for the day. But year to date, let's take a quick gander at that, Ethan. Um, Emerging markets... And last week came up two uh, percent just over the last week, and it leaves year the year to date numbers on emerging markets nearly flat, according to this, uh, down 068 um, percent. And over the last year, they are now eking out a positive return of one point two three for the rolling twelve month period. All right, an area that's been struggling. Frontier markets, um, an interesting segment of the emerging market group. Well, down today about a half a percent there. Year-to-date up 8.77, and they are up 25.77%. That's an investment asset class that Mm. we've finally found a particular fund that we feel comfortable using and have integrated into some of our equity models. So it's an asset class we've been tracking for quite some while, but quite a while. But for the right investment and the, the right amount, it's worth considering. And uh, over the last 12-month period, that puts it as, as one of the better-performing uh, equity asset classes relative to what's gone on in emerging markets, substantially there. You got your REITs, um, General Real Estate Investment Trust Market, Ethan, today um, down, but year-to-date up 5.68%. And I was looking on uh, one of the mutual fund companies that we track a lot of their their mutual fund data. And uh, their real estate portfolio shows a year-to-date return of up 10.86. So I don't know what the differences are in those. Because hmm. uh, it stuck out as one of the top-performing, it is the top-performing class of a variety of equity asset classes I look at. For the year-to-date number, uh, that's not too shabby. Um, and you've got, second year-to-date, international small value, a unique investment asset class that we incorporate in a lot of the equity. Portfolios year-to-date up 7.17% in that portfolio. International small company up 5.05% uh, year-to-date. Emerging markets, small companies. All these in, are interesting asset classes that we often don't see in portfolios, even, but they're... Mm-hmm. Leading the way with the international with the emerging small actually up four point seven seven year to date in international real estate um, up about four percent year to date 
You've got gold making a bit of a comeback, up 7.06% year-to-date, and um, that doesn't, uh, that's helpful, but over the last 12 months, it's still negative 17.21. Putting that into perspective, the S&P is up 21.57 for the last rolling 12-month period. Uh, so still struggling as an asset class along with silver and platinum over the last year. Um, oil, crude oil, down year-to-date 3.34%. Interest rates remain relatively low, Ethan. The five-year treasury at 1.79% yield, 10 years at 2.79%. you are not going to get rich there. <laughs> five-year munis, uh, 1.38, and 10-year municipals at 2.54% on the yields. Five-year AAA corporates averaging 1.93% yield. 10-year AAA corporates on average, Ethan, 3.17%. And uh, I always like to look at the inflation-protected treasuries, the five-year yielding 0.11, which is actually up from last week. It was negative 0.03% yield. And the 10-year treasury, uh, inflation-protected treasury yielding 0.66, actually positive. One year ago, those 10-year tips, Ethan, they were negative. The yield on them was negative 0.7. So they've bounced up a little bit. Hmm. Um, that puts the inflation break-even over the next five years, the break-even inflation rate that we need to experience to be in a neutral position between the nominal treasuries and the, the inflation protected would be 1.68% per year. And on the 10-year, if you were looking at buying a 10-year inflation protected and uh, hoping to get an equal return to the nominal treasury, you'd need a, about a 2.13% inflation rate over the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. Do you think that'll happen, Ethan? Well, I do. I would expect, you're a betting man. Would you I would expect that. Putting your hard cold I mean, cash the on market's, the line. The market's indicating that. So, yeah, I mean, that's a... I mean, are you asking that we, we will get that or better? Or what's the real well, question? For investors listening, is that something they should consider for their safer, safer portion of their bond money? Do you think... Um, they should be allocating a little bit into the treasury uh, at this point. Are the tips a good deal? Oh, I or see. Would you just buy the nominal treasuries? Yeah, I mean, I, I probably would buy some tips. Sure. I would include that in my allocation. Mm-hmm. I mean, the bet is there. If, if inflation is higher than 2.13% over the next 10 years, you, you win. So that seems like it's an unreasonable bet. The, the long-term average is higher than that. And certainly there, there seems to be at some point in time some inflation pressures that would, would uh, follow, find its way through the marketplace. I mean, that's what's priced in, what's expected now, but I think it's a reasonable bet to have something higher than that occur, is my two cents. Okay. Well, I like your two cents, Ethan. I like your two cents. And, you know, I guess that's reflected that the spread between them hasn't changed much because last year, the 10-year treasury was at at this time last year, uh, 1.76, well, now it's at 2.79. And, I I mean, it's hard to believe that it was down to 1.76 for 10 years. Yeah. Oh, that's a tough one. So the trick is in building your portfolio right now is you still have to, na- we've had that that increase over the last year, but you still have to navigate the very low interest rate environment and do so without putting your overall plan in jeopardy by taking on weird risks. And I, I think the biggest way to, the best way to avoid that is by having. I say weird. That's a financial term <laughs> uh, coined by Ethan Broga. Right. I mean, you got to have different asset classes. That's what. That's the the purpose, or what diversification does for you. You have some. You have some nominal. You have some inflation protected bonds. You have some high, maybe some high yield, maybe some other things. But the point is not to have all the eggs in one basket, as it were. 
can you, you achieve that by having lots of different asset no, classes? No, I don't want to have portfolio. my eggs in one basket. I mean, pretty soon you'll have scrambled eggs, and who wants that? No right, unless they're all golden eggs. Well, that'd be all right. Um, well, that sounds pretty good, Ethan. Moving right along, I, um, you know, I, I've been keeping my eye on real estate stuff. Um, I'm very interested in how that market's progressing, and so I, I saw this uh, article, 10 Things on off the Wall Street Journal online subscription, um, 10 Things Your Real Estate Agent Won't Tell You What Buyers and Sellers Should Know About That 6% Commission. Um, and I, would you mind if I just kind of click through some of this? It might be interesting while you're just hanging sure. out, listen, well. rather than you reading it. Uh, Which I appreciate. Listen to me, my soothing voice. Number one, I'm using your house to sell myself. U.S. home prices have rebounded to, and we're going to have to take a break, but I'll get through as many of these as I can before we do so. U.S. home prices have rebounded to mid-2004 levels, according to the latest S&P Case-Shiller Home Price Survey. And though monthly gains are slowing, this spring, traditionally the prime home buying season, I think you just locked in our prime piece of real estate yourself, didn't you, Ethan? <laughs> Looks to be a seller's market. That's good news for real estate agents as well. The 2013 National Association of Realtors member survey showed that agents' $34,000 median annual income last year reflected a level not seen since the year 2006, just before the U.S. housing boom went bust. Incomes in 2012 were up 37% from 2010. That's a pretty nice pop, huh? We're going to have to take a quick break, Ethan. Why don't you hold on that note, and uh, we'll take this quick break. Again, if you are you are listening to Empirical Investing Radio, and if you want to call in, 866-472-5790, our man Simon will get you in the queue. We'll be right back after these messages. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, we're back. Empirical Investing Radio. Your host here, Ethan Broga, alongside Ken Smith, entering our second segment of today's radio program. And uh, Ken, right before the break, we were just about to talk about real estate. You're going to read an article or go an article that you came across recently and talking about some, some things that yeah, we're going to know. I, I haven't even read it. I like to keep it fresh for the show. I don't even know what we're getting into. <laughs> I love it. But I'm, I'm a little excited to see. Um, I Hopefully was it's good. At a property myself near our Phoenix location. Mm-hmm. Um, where was I? Okay, yeah, let's get back in that. They, while most agents are hardworking professionals, much like you, Ethan, buyers and sellers may encounter some agents who see only the me in the word home. <laughs> to get a listing, some agents tell dazzling, amazing stories about houses they've sold in your area. Oh, they'll dazzle you, Ethan. Probably true. They'll promise to splash photos of your home across the advertising pages of glossy magazines and blanket your neighborhood with direct mail to lure move-up buyers. Critics say these agents are great marketers, of course, of themselves. Photos and real estate circulars market the agent, says Karen Krupsaw, vice president of the real estate operations. You know, down at the uh, brokerage website Redfin. Mailers generate interest in the neighborhood, not the home. It's an avenue brokers take to generate business for numero uno. Hmm. Using your house, she says. Furthermore, just because an agent does a lot of business, that doesn't necessarily mean his clients were happy with his work. Krupsaw says, indeed, the Council Better Business Bureau reports that consumer complaints against agents nationwide rose 22% in 2012 over the previous year. The real estate website Trulia advises sellers to ask an agent how long their listing, uh, their recent listings stayed on the market before selling and compare that to the neighborhood history. Find out the average sale price compared with the average listing price of the homes they've sold. Hmm, That's an interesting statistic, isn't it? And ask how many other sellers the agent currently represents. This way, buyers and sellers alike stand a better chance of enlisting an agent who will work for them, both in terms of personality fit and a willingness to roll up their sleeves, the real estate insiders say. Why homeowners fall prey to the money illusion? Just a little side note, many home buyers are victims of the money illusion. They believe that they are doing better if they sell their home for a higher dollar amount than when they bought it. Even if inflation eats the gains. How do you feel about that, Ethan? Well, that is entirely true. Are you in that camp? Unfortunately, no. Oh. I have no illusions. Oh, of, you realize that, that you're, you're losing money. Yes, it is the way okay, that it is. Good. Number two, you might never get the chance to buy your dream house. Um, whether we're aware of it or not, most of us find our dream house through the multiple listing service, a database or local or regional uh, properties for sale by participating brokers that is available to other brokers and agents. Right. Okay, well, that's... That's, that's true. 
But some houses are kept off the MLS in a pre-sale or what we call a pocket listing arrangement. That's true also. These residents are marketed among the associates of the selling agent's firm and by word of mouth to hand-picked agents. In other instances, it's not uncommon for one or two of the agents to dominate the sales in a particular neighborhood or residential development, Mm -hmm. a retirement community, for instance, and bring buyers to properties that aren't officially listed for sale. Some agents say the pocket listings have advantages for all concerned. A homeowner can ask a high price to test the market, for example, and if the property is overpriced and doesn't sell, it won't have languished on the MLS, which can be a kiss of death in real estate sales. Mm. A buyer, meanwhile, can land a house in a secret sale without entering a bidding war. On the downside, a pocket listing limits the pool of available buyers. Anyone not in the know won't even knock on the door let let uh, let alone get past it right pocket listing uh makes no sense says doug miller he's an executive director of consumer advocates in american real estate down there at um it's in uh, minnesota it's a minnesota-based watchdog group for home buyers and sellers you've eliminated much of the market and you're not saving the client any money the realtor should be trying to sell the house in the shortest time possible for the most amount of money. How do you feel about those pocket sales? Is that a problem for you? or I don't know. I, do you have and on, one hand, one, on one hand, yeah. it seems a little bit unfair for the potential buyers, but for the seller, it seems like a, a fair deal. You can test the waters without getting stung. If the price is too high, you can change your mind. I would assume if you're going to sell an asset, since it's not a publicly traded like equity market, right. rating, mm-hmm. you can decide if you want to, if you're, Someone related to you says, hey, I want to buy your house. You're, you're under no obligation to list it for the whole public to see it. Yeah, right. That's true. I mean, so I don't know that I have any issues with this. I don't know that either. Um, yeah. I mean, it, 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 it just means that you might, there are properties for sale in a particular place that you may not be aware of because they're this pocket listing. Yeah, pocket listing. There's a way to get a hold of that. If you're you know, really looking to buy, that might be of interest. I'm sure there's ways to do that. Hmm. Right? All right. So, um, what buyers are about that 6%? Number three, my commission isn't set in stone. Now, this might get a little juicier. Maybe. <clears throat> Perhaps no part of selling the house generates more controversy than the agent commissions. A 6% fee split 50-50 between the buyer's agent and the seller has long been considered standard for a full-service listing where a brokerage handles everything about the deal, from marketing the house to moving the moving arrangements. That's interesting. Hmm, that is interesting. Have you had moving arrangements? I've, no. I've never had that happen. No. I could have used the help, I'll tell you that. I'll tell you that. That would have been nice. That would be useful. <laughs> you know, the broker should be moving stuff since they're getting paid, right? Why not? Not bad. Yeah. I like your idea, Ethan. Yeah. Um, maybe we'll run it up the flagpole. Well, some next time, I'm in a real estate engagement. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll think about that. Um, anyways... Close to 80% of the licensed agents work on a split commission basis. National Association of Realtors data shows that. Commissions, in fact, are negotiable and vary regionally. Rates typically are lower in high-cost markets and, in, and higher in low-cost markets. One way for the seller to pay a lower commission is to agree to, a price, to price the house aggressively. That is at the low end of the market because time is money, Ethan. True. A quick deal means an agent can move on to the next deal to boost productivity. Just make sure you're not giving up more than in the sale than you're getting in the commission's savings. 
That seems reasonable. Good advice. Solid advice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't don't agree to sell the price of your house for lower than the break you're getting on the commission. That wouldn't help. But that's the magic uh, question mark there. I think so. How do you? How would you ever determine that? That's tough. Some agents will trim their commission and actually make more money on the deal. That's what happens when an agent represents both seller and buyer, known as a dual agency, allowing them to collect the full fee, which is then split with their brokerage. So instead of listing agent and their firm each pocketing 1.5% of the sale price on a deal with a 6% commission, they can make two and a half. <laughs> you just said nice two, They can make two and a half percent a piece on a five percent transaction. In some cases, a listing agent and a buyer's agent are both licensed with the same firm, which again allows one side to keep the uh, entire commission. Huh. Dual agency has the potential for conflicts of interest and accordingly raises eyebrows and red flags among the industry experts and State Departments of Consumer Protection alike. But this double-ending practice, while not rights widespread, is legal in most states as long as it's disclosed to all parties and receives their written consent. Be aware of what those commission rates are, cautions Group's Awe of Redfin, which doesn't permit dual agency among its brokers. Oh. No, they don't. Hmm. There is a gray area, she adds, that varies greatly according to the market. So, I don't know. How do you feel about that point? It's, so far, this article's not really getting me excited. Yeah, I mean, uh, the dual agency thing, well, mean? geez. It, like I said, as long as it's disclosed, which it would have to be because they have to get it in writing. I don't yeah. see any real... There's no Yahoo coming here. I mean, in general, I like the idea of having a separate a separate agent. You know, someone purely representing only your interest, which is obviously Woo! preferable. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, as long as you have an inspection done and it's disclosed that the agent's uh, a dual agent, I don't know. And it's not that big of a deal. All right, number four here on their little list is your home isn't worth as much as you think. Maybe this will help if you're thinking about selling your home. Right. Ethan, I know that's something you might be interested in. It's possible. So stay tuned here. Tune in. All right. Uh, Some real estate agents joke that there are two types of home sellers. Those who want more money than their house can fetch and those who refuse to back off from that position. (laughs) That's a pretty good one, huh? Uh Uh-huh. Some agents won't take a listing from a seller who wants more than the market will bear. Other agents aren't so choosy. <laughs> That's a, um, even though overpricing can come back to bite the seller by lengthening the amount of time the house sits on the market. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you, I guess if you're asking too much and you don't get a lot of action, if you don't get a lot of action, it sits there and then people maybe wonder, is there something wrong with your property? Yeah, it could What's be. wrong with you, you know? That could be. You don't want that, I guess. These agents encourage a seller to have a surreal. uh, These agents encourage a seller to have a surreal expectations by promising to get top dollar for the house. The wide-eyed seller then signs with the agent who talked up the listing, and the house comes on the market at the seller's dream price. But after a few weeks with no serious offers, the agent then advises cutting the price down. Sure. Well, that wouldn't make me happy. That's not good. At that point, Haltman says a seller has little choice but to drop the asking price to a more realistic level and is none the wiser to the agent's tricks. Human nature is you want the top. Um, An agent's job, he adds, is to set a seller's expectation, not to follow them and create disappointment later. Right. What do you think about that? I, uh, I don't know. I'm indifferent, I guess. 
Mm. Okay. Well, we're going to have to take a quick break. The other points here, young buyers don't want your old house, and uh, another agent can make you more money. I don't know anything about the neighborhood you're interested in. I'm going to quickly summarize this during the break, and then we'll come back and finish this article. Ethan's got several other hot topics he wants to hit. We'll be right back. (laughs) From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Are you a decision maker in your organization, a mid-level manager, or a team member? Stepping Stones to Everyday Success with host Kimberly Stewart is a program designed to provide you with tidbits and tools you need to achieve results no matter where you are in your organizational structure. Interaction is key, and you'll have opportunities to share your ideas, comments, and questions. Listen to Stepping Stones to Everyday Success, live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, we're back. Empirical Investing Radio, your host here, Ethan Broga, alongside Ken Smith. Uh, entering our third segment, right, guys? Third segment today? Yeah, I guess so. Yep. so I was just kind of going through this real estate right. article. And um, I don't know, maybe I'll just breeze through a little quicker uh, until we can find you know, something, something more interesting. I'd love some um, secrets. Give me some secrets. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Because uh, I think maybe this is a good opportunity. You know, I know you've been doing some things and making moves and... Um, Interest rates, again, are still low. and um, I don't know. Another agent can make you more money was point number six they give in this Wall Street. Is that true? Uh, it says, or is that the myth? Well, sometimes an agent, the way the agent prices a home can hurt an unsuspecting seller. Oh, yeah. Some yeah. agents overprice to get a listing. Right. Um, so we talked about that already, didn't we? Mm-hmm. No, they just are reiterating the same point in a different point, I think. Um, but... Anyway, a uh, sophisticated agent can also put money in, in untraditional ways. Uh, one example, pulling out furniture, appliances, and other personal property from the total price for which the buyer writes a separate check. The revised home value means a lower transfer tax 
for the seller and lower property tax for the buyer. So how do you like that? Well, that's an interesting idea. Um, I mean, if you got some valuable refrigerators and, I don't know, stoves. You just yank them out of there and have them buy a separate check for that. I guess so. And, that, and then you're, um, you have a lower sell per price. I mean, if you got one of those, like, uh, those big high-class Viking stoves, you know, the gas ones that are like in restaurants quality. Yeah. Those are like, nice. like 10 grand. So that'd be reasonable there, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, outside of that, I'm not so sure I'd be fiddling around with that. Point number seven, I don't know, quote, I don't know anything about the neighborhood you're interested in, end quote. Good fences make good neighbors, but a great, a good real estate agent should be familiar enough with the neighborhood to know what's behind those fences, if you know what I mean. They're getting in there, well, checking things out. Right. Uh, you want to point out things that consumer isn't noticing, says Leslie, Leslie Piper, real estate agent in San Francisco, and consumer um, housing specialist, the website. Wow, the, the descriptions of everybody is so long. Hmm. Unhappy clients often cl- complain that their real estate agent didn't know or didn't warn them about key issues in a new neighborhood. Oh, like what? I think you had that experience. <laughs> An agent... Maybe. Uh, um, Tour clients around the neighborhood in the morning, afternoon, and evening, and on weekdays and, and the weekend. Did you do all that? Did you hang out at nights and weekends and camp out? And no. Survey the air. Survey with a little surveillance. I did not. No. Oh, it says you should. Wow. Because you know you don't know. You never know. And uh, maybe a home is on the bus line, and every twenty minutes during the week you'll hear one go by. <laughs> or well, perhaps the house is close enough to the railroad. Well, it's okay. I'm at work during the week, so it's no problem. Yeah, that's true. Um, and weekends would be nice. And if you see a home in spring or summer uh, when foliage is thick, a broker should be able to tell you what the view will be like once the leaves are gone. That's important. That is detailed. I mean, you gotta let, someone's got to tell you how it's going to look when the leaves fall off. Yeah. Uh, so I think in general that's a good idea. You know, I, I'd like some background information if you're working in that area. I can't win number eight. I can't win a bidding war. Multiple offers, especially common in sizzling hot real estate markets, put sellers on a gravy train, but leave the otherwise qualified buyers disheartened and, and at the station. And frustrated. Um, still, someone wins. So what can a buyer do to prove their odds of beating that someone? An agent who is acquainted with the other agents in the area as a skilled negotiator is one good bet. And if he or she uh, has a passable knowledge of Sun Tzu's art of war that doesn't hurt either i mean that's not a bad thing in negotiations i understand but uh all kidding aside a better bet some say is to find an agent who goes into battle fully prepared an agent who's been around the block will ask a client what his absolute highest bid would be so there's no confusion in the fog of a bidding war right knowing the lengths that a buyer will go to to get a house can give that person's agent a powerful advantage in dealing with the seller's agent that's true Especially when emotions, much like Ethan, are running extremely high. Right. Of course, that requires buyers to be honest with themselves. We have this saying, buyers are liars, says Bonnie Clark, <laughs> <laughs> who's an agent with a bunch of things. They'll say, this is all I'm going to pay, and then they go up. <laughs> I know what you're saying. Unbelievable. I, I have had people say that to me after losing a bid. I would have gone up more. Why didn't you tell me? Um, once a buyer has set the ceiling, Clark looks to uh, nice Clark looks to any ideas that would t- 
top the other person's as a strategy in a multiple bid situation. Mm. For instance, besides suggesting that the, seller, uh, the client cover the closing costs, um, and title insurance, an experienced broker might encourage a client to stretch in ways that may be uncomfortable but can seal a deal, such as paying all cash or waiving the appraisal fee. I don't know. Do you care about cash? If you're the seller, you're getting the cash. You're not financing the house. I guess the risk is if they don't get approved for the loan, then the deal goes uh, through, right? want it quick. So it's and, quick. Yeah. That'd be the deal, yeah, without any risk, really. Okay. Sometimes just the price doesn't do it. Right. You have to think of everything other than money. Hmm. Well, those are somewhat helpful. That's interesting. Ideas. Yeah. I might be fired soon. Number nine. Um, what would Phil... What would Phil Dunphy do? Yeah, Phil Phil Dunphy from uh, Simon. What's that show called? What's that show you like so much, Simon? It's a comedy. I forget the name of the show. Oh, Modern yeah. Family. It is. Sorry. Oh, that's right. It says right here the fictional real stage and on the hit sitcom Modern Family. That's it. Has gone to comical extremes to make a deal. Yeah, the show that's pretty like funny. the time he got locked out of a house he was about to show, climbed in through an open second story window and stepped into a fish tank. Soaking his for real, soaking his pants. Oh, Phil! For real life agents who are suffering a lack of business, um, one transaction can mean the difference between showing houses and being shown the door. Hmm. Agents are still recovering from the the housing crash, which severely thinned their ranks. Yeah, wow! The the membership to that National Association of Realtors um, at the end of two thousand six was one point four million members, Ethan. Now, um, at the end of 2012, it was 1 million. So you had 400,000 of them wow. drop out. Jeez. Um, that's pretty intense. I'd like to dump you as a client. This is the last point they, they make in this article. Agents work on commission, but buyers sometimes forget this fact. And, you know, these looky-loos that are out there uh, require round-the-clock access and counseling Verging on therapy, and Realtor.com Piper once uh, had a customer who contacted her several times a day, and sometimes more. When they said jump, she says, I was supposed to say how high. Agents tend to be patient sorts, but they also have a a life beyond the MLS, Hmm. says Piper. And uh, she won't answer work-related calls, much like Ethan, after 7 p.m. You have to set some kind of standard, she says. And I'm just kidding. Ethan will take calls at any time of day or night. Uh, many real, matter of fact, if you want to get a call to Ethan, give him a call one eight hundred nine two three four three zero seven. I'll and, take your call uh, right now. If you email me, I'll get you his cell phone number, and you can call him anytime, weekends or nights. Uh, particularly if you want to talk about retirement planning, an area of his of extreme interest for, for Ethan. Um, but to get rid of these pesky clients, agents employ subtle and not-so-subtle tactics. They'll pass them on to another broker uh, who thinks there's a better personality match or, frankly, could use the business. Uh, or a brooding buyer will be told to make to take more time to thoroughly research the market. That's about it on this report. Ethan, do you have any other buying or selling tips in the real estate market? Uh, tips? Well, no. I, I think, uh, well, you, you know, you want to be you want to get pre-approved or get, get something in order so you can act on a house when you find it, that sort of thing. I mean, that's a good idea. I know I've had a really good experience at the 
situation I'm working on in Phoenix. And if anyone's in that market, wants a good real estate agent, uh, shoot me an email. I'd be happy to give you their name and number. I don't know if they're comfortable with that site. I want to bring it on the air, but I, I would. And um, also we've got a great person um, and or persons here in Seattle. I know that um, we've had some, I've had some good experiences with and have referred to various clients of ours. So um, I, for me personally, it really does come down to how long they've been doing it, what their experience is, how serious they're taking the job, um, and how well do they, I like the idea of how well they know, know the, the, the market. The market. Yeah, sure. Also, I think I have enjoyed personally working with people that are willing and are more interested in you being completely satisfied I'm not one of those looky-loos. You know, when I make a decision to do something, I tend to get it done. I don't. I don't want to spend a year wasting everyone's time. But, um, but, but on the other side of the coin, um, I would like to be able to communicate clearly the values that I have and something I, I really can appreciate in a real estate situation. If I'm not the one doing the search, you know, to find it, but I said, hey, I want. I know this general neighborhood. Um, I'd love to be able to communicate the values that I'm looking at and get a set of um, viable options that are in line with those. So and I, I think this would, you know, I've often said, Ethan, in any of the financial world that you're, you're dealing with people's money, it's it can be very emotional well, sure. very quickly. And um, I think mm-hmm. we all want to make sure that we're getting exactly what we're paying for and what we're looking for. And um, I've often found that, that some of the sales techniques that have been used traditionally bypass some of that and really just look to facilitate a short-term need or hot button. But um, I have always appreciated the idea of someone who really can ask me questions about what I'm looking for and not just ask for the sake of making me feel good that they're asking me questions, but they really do care about what what it is I'm trying to accomplish, and they have a, a good idea of how to prioritize that, and they bring back the viable solutions that meet that criteria. And I, there's nothing more I appreciate than that. Mm-hmm. You have any other thoughts on that? Ethan? Well, well said. That's what I would say. Well, I appreciate that. I, I wasn't driving for that, but uh, so anyway, um, I think that's that's about all I have to say about that, Ethan. All right, we're going to have to take a quick break here in a minute. Um, and uh, when we come back maybe we'll spend a little time I've been working on a little, an investment educational pr- uh, presentation with Eric our director of research recently and I know you wanted to talk about maybe a few of those hot I think it sounds great we are happy to share them so we'll be right back on Empirical Investing Radio when it comes to business you'll find the experts here Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S dot com. 
Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at empiricalfs.com. In sales, are you a lion or a vulture? Lions don't wait. They just go for it. Vultures hang around until the lions are finished and just pick up the scraps. How can you set yourself apart as a lion? Join the other aspiring sales lions and listen to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with host Ty Maynard. You'll learn the tips and strategies of top sales professionals. You'll gain more clients at a faster rate and at higher margins. If you're a sales professional, business owner, or executive, listen in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, we're back. Empirical Investing Radio. Uh, Ethan Broga, your co-host here. Alongside Ken Smith, uh, last segment of the day, we have about uh, nine minutes here left in the show. And Ken, I thought, you know, you've been working hard on this uh, investment presentation over the last uh, many months, in fact, with, with Eric. And I thought it'd be fun for us to go through some of these things together, some of these ideas that you're presenting uh, in, in the, the format here that we have. How do you feel about that? That's, uh, yeah, it sounds good. We've got a little time. Where do I um, pull up the slide? Oh, uh, yeah, I'll tell you. Yeah. This, you this, this is private right. information, but uh, no, it's on, on the share drive <laughs> in my folder. I just dropped it in there. Oh, okay. It's called the EWM Investment Presentation. So I have it on my desktop, and you can call it up there. It's in Ethan's folder? Is yeah. That right? Okay. Under the shared drive. It's actually called Ethan's folder. It's pretty funny, man. That's right. Um, and then which one is it? Uh, it'll be uh, the EWM <laughs> Investment Presentation. I like those uh, sound effects, Simon. That's good. Top drawer work. Um, so Yeah, let's just run through a few. We've got a little time here. I think it sounds good. And... Um, so, you know, one of the concepts that we've been sharing um, is that we've been dividing up investing into a couple or three different categories. And so one of those categories we're calling the crystal ball method of investing. And it's a category in which I find that the vast majority of the public, the investing public historically has, has tried to utilize to be successful. In their investment, in their investing experience, so um, you know, a very large part of the industry still engages in this this idea of crystal ball investing, and because of their huge financial interest in pr- pushing that or promoting that type of investing, because you have the brokers who historically have gotten paid very well on the commissions. Sure, getting you to trade in and out of stocks as frequently as possible. Mm-hmm. Over a longer period of time in the past, have has been very productive for those institutions. Now, as as trading fees have come down, it's shifting to other areas, and one of those areas has been the continuation of the idea of paying a 
a management fee for a professional to select securities. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that in itself, by the way. I mean, to a certain degree, we do that. True. Um, That's true. It's, but it's baked inside of the investment product. And so there's, they've had this agenda. Um, you know, the, the industry has, has had a, whether it's professional investment managers pushing out products um, like crazy. I mean, I, have, I am overwhelmed with the amount of solicitation I've gotten in the last few years for alternative investment junk that's been coming out in droves after the, the financial crisis. Um, I don't know what's driving this demand that they're throwing these products out like crazy. Um, because every time part of their solicitation is telling me how much money they've amassed into these products mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that, um, in my view, are very ineffective uh, solutions to the problem of investing that most people are trying to solve. How do I get a reasonable return, stay ahead of inflation without losing my money mm-hmm. before I need it? <clears throat> right. Um, if I had to distill that that issue down. So... It's a couple of the more common ways, and we're not going to get very far into this, Ethan. I wish we would have started with this, so that that dumb uh, articulate. But uh, a couple of common ways that we look at or we categorize this idea of crystal ball investing are uh, within the stock picking area. And when we're talking about picking stocks to beat a particular index, typically is the objective. Mm-hmm. Um whether you're an individual picking stocks or you're engaging someone like Goldman Sachs to go out and find a manager to pick stocks for you, as an example, or for them to pick you stocks. It doesn't really matter, but in, the, in that category, they typically engage in either traditional fundamental analysis or they engage in technical analysis or some combination of those, um, which we'll, we'll describe a little more into this. And the other general approach to crystal ball uh, investing is the idea of market timing. And that would be, hey, I'm, I'm less concerned about each individual stock in my portfolio. I'm more concerned about being in and out of broad markets you know, as a whole. Do I own stocks or do I completely get out of stocks? The issue with these types of, an, of investment strategies and the reason why we call them crystal ball methods of investing is because it requires some insight about the future that isn't currently present. Or it, or it requires you to uh, hope that what you believe the market is currently misinterpreting about the value of a particular company or the direction in which the market is headed. It requires uh, that inefficiency to ring out or to that what you hope to happen to come true in the future, but you really have no way of knowing whether it will or not. So you're, you're trying to look at what the market is going to do in the future. Hey, I've evaluated this stock. I may be using past and current information to do my fundamental analysis to say, is it a good value? I still have to make some predictions usually about, will this continue? Will the company continue to earn, uh, to grow its earnings at the rate that I'm assuming uh, and pay dividends and increase that at some rate? And it's a very basic model of, trying to figure out a valuation on a company, but it requires you to make an estimate of whether that will, will continue to happen in the future. And if it will happen, and your current evaluation is that that stock is underpriced relative to those assumptions, the other part of the crystal ball 
that needs to be to happen is you you will believe that other investors will recognize that error after you've made your purchase. Right. If we're talking about buying that particular stock, um, they will they will recognize that hidden opportunity. And it's in, the example I've used in years gone by are the idea that someone drops a hundred dollar. A guy like you carries a lot of hundreds in around in your wallet <laughs> in your silk pants. <laughs> And um, you drop one out on the street corner. You know, somebody is going to pick it up, right? Eventually, yes. Unless it's hidden, you know, falls into the the sewer, for example, where yeah. there's very, very little traffic. Very few people. Um, so the the idea um, that these opportunities exist in a high traffic area in the middle of the city, for example, where thousands of people are walking past. Um, and that you'll be able to, if you go down there right now, at the peak hours, how many times have you found a $100 bill laying on the ground? I never have. It's very infrequent. I mean, I found like that, $5 one time. Yeah. When I was a kid. Well, maybe but inflation adjusted. That's probably worth it. Uh, yeah. that's, <laughs> that's one time in 41 years. That's not a lot yeah. of times. Yeah. Good point. So the, the idea that these opportunities exist, that people are walking past these $100 bills... Um, and you're able, because you may get one, like you said, $5 bill in a 41-year period. But in order to make a career, to get Simon to hire you yeah. and pay you a fee, hey, Simon, if you give me $10 a month, um, I will give you half of every $100 bill I find. <laughs> right. Or I'll give you all of it, right? Like, yeah. That's a deal as the professional investment manager I think you'd be happy to take. Well, sure. Uh, and question is how long is Simon going to be willing to pay As long that? as I can convince him to do it. <laughs> exactly. But the point of it is, and I got a little bit beyond there, is that the idea of crystal ball investing, you really have to rely on future predictions based on your analysis of the past and what you think will happen in the future and also the mistakes or the oversight of the other investors in the market. There's a lot of things that have to happen mm-hmm. for either one of these strategies to really work. And for it to work, you know, if you all you got was a market rate of return, well, that wouldn't that wouldn't be a, enough reward to take that risk, would it? No, you'd only take that risk if you were going to get a higher rate of return. Right. And so, for us, the natural way of evaluating whether that's a good trade off or not would be to look at what are the odds or the statistics of those out there trying it to the best that we have empirical data on that. And uh, I know we're gonna we're gonna have to stop this discussion, but maybe next week, Ethan. I think we should we'll start right on this. I think this, this is good stuff. The juicy stuff. We're about to get to the good parts. Um, but if you're playing craps, your odds of winning, um, depending on you know if you're following the right strategy, can get up to forty nine point four percent, almost almost fifty. The house is happy to give you those odds because they'll win. The law of large numbers says they'll win over time. Mm-hmm. Um, but on average, if we look at Crystal ball investing, the success rate's been about 17%. And next week, because we're out of time, I'll define what that means and how we got those statistics. But we're going to have to wrap it up for the show, Ethan. So I really appreciate you listening, for those of you who are. And uh, we'll we'll be back again next week. If you want to give us a call, 206-923-3474-1800-923-4307 throughout the week. That's all for Ken and Ethan on Empirical Investing Radio this week. Have a great week. 
We hope you've enjoyed Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and Ethan Broga. Please join us again next Thursday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And for more information about Empirical Investing Radio, please call 800 923 